What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 129 of TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, July 16th. As always, we are presented by D's Home Cuts. I am your host, Travis Karcheski, and we have a lot to talk about today. We have a great show planned for you. Uh, a little bit about, ha- probably about halfway through, we're going to have our interview with Dylan Frederick. Uh, he called in all the way from Washington. He's in the military right now. Um, to give us his NBA predictions, uh, reactions to free agency, not really predictions. And, you know, Truman's on that too, so it's not going to be me for the whole time. Did about 15 minutes with him, uh, and it was great stuff. So we're going to have that about halfway through the show. Uh, and then we got some more free uh, offseason reactions in the NFL. We got a bunch of other stuff we got to talk about. And we're going to start off the show with something that happened the other day over the weekend that. It's one of those moments that you just it just reminds you why you watch sports, why everything, you know, all the effort and all the stuff you put in to watching sports, all the stats, all the crazy debates you get into, you know, people people who aren't sports fans tend to look at sports fans like they're crazy, like they just, you know, go over the top with something that at the end of the day doesn't matter. But over the weekend, July 13th, Something happened that shows me and shows every person who makes fun of sports fans why we watch sports. And it happened in Anaheim uh, 11 days after Tyler Skaggs was found dead you know, in his hotel room. You know, The Angels decided after the All-Star break to finally get the opportunity to honor him properly. And it, started, it was just an amazing night. And I think every single fan, every single non-sports fan can agree that this was something that you couldn't script, and it was insane. So we're going to go through that night. Like I said, they decided to finally get the opportunity to honor him properly. You know, They had his mom throw out the first pitch. It was a strike right down the middle. On Tyler Skaggs' 28th birthday, July 13th, they played this game, and it started off pretty well in the first inning with Mike Trout. He swung at a first pitch. Which, if you know anything about Mike Trout, he swings at a first pitch like 10% of the time. It's very rare for him to do it. But he swung on a first pitch, hit a home run, and this home run put the Angels up 2 nothing. Not only was it huge for the Angels, but it also, when you looked at the yardage, it was 454 feet. If you remember, Tyler Skaggs wore number 45. So you knew right then and there, this was going to be a special night. Like I said, every single Angels player was wearing Tyler Skaggs' jersey and... You know, even if it would have stopped there, I think that would have been a cool moment because 454 feet, I mean, that's insane. And it's, it, you know, it's his jersey number. But not only was that, but the Angels will go on to win that game 13 to nothing, absolutely destroying, I think it was the Mariners. But that wasn't even the best part. The Angels will go on to throw a no-hitter, combined no-hitter in that game, um, you know, all on Tyler Skaggs' birthday. And honestly, I don't really care if you believe you know, in a God, you believe in heaven or whatever. But if you don't think something outside of baseball, outside of this world went on that night, I mean, it's pretty hard to not think that something happened up in the heavens or whatever. That was just something, you look at D. Gordon's home run, you know, when after Jose Fernandez died. I mean, D. Gordon never hits home runs. And he hit a home run that game after Jose Fernandez passed away, one of his best friends. And it just shows me, this is just one of those moments that makes you 
love sports even more. It just reignites that passion. Sports can break you down. It can destroy you. But something like this just uplifts you. And it's just one of those things that you just, you're going to talk, tell your kids about. You're going to tell everybody you love the rest of the time about this game. I mean, 454 feet, you know, a home run, a perfect game all on his birthday. His mom came out, threw a first pitch strike right down the middle. And I think Tyler Skaggs was the last time the Angels threw a no-hitter. I think Tyler Skaggs, that was when he was born. I think it was July 13th. But still, at the end of the day, this is one of those moments that, I mean, I'm sort of rambling on here because I just it was just so amazing. And I'm sort of at a loss for words. But they properly honored him that night. And at the end of the day, you don't have to believe in anything. But when something like that happens, it makes you think, you know, maybe something is up there. But uh, definitely a cool moment. You know, it was awesome at the end of the game when they all threw their jerseys on the mound. And it was one of those moments that, like I said, you're going to tell your kids about. I mean, the D. Gordon home run and that. I mean, something was working up there. He was definitely looking down on the Angels that night and giving them a little bit of uh, motivation for that game. So that was awesome. Uh, just quick, I just wanted to touch on that. But that was one of those moments that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And then you go to Sunday. Um, this is a little bit different, but the, the Tampa Bay Rays, they almost threw a combined perfect game on Sunday. Uh, they went all the way to the ninth inning until it was broken up uh, by Hanser Alberto. Again, they were playing against the Orioles, so I mean the Orioles aren't that good. Um, but the Rays are interesting because the Rays, you know, most people don't watch the Rays, but I actually, you know, I like the Rays a lot. I think they're a very fun team and very interesting team because they're sort of built like the Indians. You know, they're a small market team that manages their team very well in terms of trades and prospects and all this stuff. They also, I mean, they they don't have the money to, you know, compete with some of these bigger clubs, but they do it really well because they use a lot of different techniques. And what they use is this technique called the opener technique, um, which is basically they send a guy out there and he'll pitch me the first or the second inning um, and they'll get, you know, sort of stats on the hitters and stuff like that. And then they'll send another guy out there. And it's just, you know, it's not the classic starter technique where a starter goes out and throws seven innings. But it's interesting, and it, it works a lot. They've actually had a lot of success with it um, in that. But that's all I wanted to touch on with baseball. Um, we're still getting back into the second half. Uh, a lot of things are going on right now. We're getting into the dog days, I guess you could say. I mean, where the trade deadline is almost up and around the corner. We're going to see a lot of guys getting traded here, and we're going to see you know who's going for it and who isn't. Basically, the Indians are the only team, though, that I'm watching right now to see what they're going to do because they're one of the more interesting teams at the deadline here. They have you know, a lot of good, solid players that they could trade, but if they start to trade, I mean, obviously, they're in this position right now. I think they're six and a half back or around there from the Twins. The Twins are starting to fall a little bit. I know they took two out of three of us over the weekend, but the Indians, you know, they've won two straight. They won last night and they won on Sunday, and they're slowly coming around as well. You know, a lot of these younger players, they're using different techniques than what they usually do. I mean, Terry Francona is one of those old-timey managers who would rather have veterans out there, but he is, you know, slowly coming around the season into playing these younger guys more and more, and it's working out for him very well. And this team is slowly coming together, and now we're at the trade deadline, and it becomes a point where it's up to the management now to look at this team, look at where they're at, and it's all baseball teams. And decide, you know, 
do we have enough or do we have just enough that if we were to acquire a player or two or maybe stay the same, that we could get to the playoffs so we could push it? Or would it be better for us to trade off some of our assets, get some prospects, and just get ready for next year? Or what I think the Indians are going to do is a little bit of a mix of both. I could see them trading a big piece like Trevor Bauer, like Brad Hand, and you know flipping those pieces for you know a solid bat, you know somebody who could help this team right now, not just down the future. And I'm just really excited because the trade deadline for baseball, I said on the other show, is the most exciting um, trade deadline in all sports because it really baseball is one of those sports where it really tells what a team thinks of itself. When you go to the deadline, I mean, you look at, you know, the White Sox a couple years ago. I mean, they started to trade off their pieces in the thousands. And, you know, they slowly committed to that rebuilding phase. Uh, You look at, you know, the Astros. I mean, the Astros rebuilt for years. And then now that they're there, they're trading for pieces at the deadline like Verlander. I mean, they're interested in Abreu. So it's going to be interesting to see where each team falls and how each team stacks up because sometimes teams need you know a starter or whatever and then teams like you know the Giants for instance have a guy like Madison Bumpgartner who's a proven starter in the World Series you know he's done well in the playoffs more than well he's done amazing and you know I think he's got one or two years left on his contract so that's a perfect player for you to trade um all around the league. I mean, there's tons of teams. You look at the Tigers, you know, they're rebuilding right now. Uh, Nick Castellanos is a solid bat, and, you know, he's got one year left on his contract. They'd love to get some pieces for him. They'd love to get some pieces for Shane Green. Just a ton of people, a ton of players are going to be on the move this upcoming, you know, couple of weeks. I'm not really sure when the deadline is. I probably should have looked that up, but it's coming soon. And once it happens, it's going to be amazing. You know, once that first piece falls, a bunch of other teams start panicking. Maybe they're running a little late. And next thing you know, a bunch of pieces start to fall and a bunch of guys are on the move. And, you know, we're full on into the trade deadline. So make sure you watch out for that. I'm going to keep you updated on that. Maybe we'll do next show. I'll do, you know, 10 to 15, maybe even 20 guys, depending on know how much research I can do that will be traded and where I think they'll be traded to because rumors are going to start popping up pretty soon I know ESPN released a big article yesterday about Trevor Bauer and where he's going to go I know the Yankees are interested in Trevor Bauer but are the Indians interested in trading Trevor Bauer and honestly it makes sense for them to do it I mean I think Trevor Bauer is my favorite Indian um, right up there with Lindor but they have so much young pitching, and at the end of the day, people forget we still have two staples of this rotation the last couple of years, Carrasco and then Cy, two-time Cy Young winner Corey Kluber on the bench right now, still healing back from injuries. But once they get back and they turn it on, I mean, the Indians, they still have Plesak. They have, you know, Shane Bieber's, you know, obviously the ace of this rotation right now. They have... Um, Heavy Rodriguez, I mean, who's the guy? I'm, I'm missing somebody right now that I can't remember. But they have a lot of young, solid arms that could seriously be huge pieces for them in the playoffs. And then at the end of the day, you have, you know, Corey Kluber and Carrasco, who, you know, all reports say they're going to be ready for the end of the season and uh, going to be ready to go for the playoffs. So we're going to watch that because Trevor Bauer is going to be a polarizing figure. And if he gets, does get traded, I'm sure we'll get a lot of tweets and stuff from him. 
But we're going to move now to basketball. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the deals that went down yesterday and over the weekend. And then we'll get into Dylan Frederick's interview. But before that, these home cuts. These home cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $10, these home cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling. These home cuts has been around the last couple of years, started by our guy Dom. He's been on the show multiple times. And me, Truman, 90% of the guests we've had have gotten their haircut at these, you know, at least once or their lifetime clients. Most of them are lifetime clients like us. And we're never looking better. We've never looked better. These home cuts treats you like you want to be treated he treats every single hair on your head like it's his own and he will make sure you look your best and honestly it's nice because school's up coming here we're getting ready for school and i think it's time to try out that new hairstyle that you've been thinking because once school starts you, know, you don't really want to switch it up so get get into these home cuts as quick as you can try this new style see if you like it and you know don will give you tips on it and then if you like it enough you'll have it ready for school but also if you don't like it you can, you know, switch it up before school starts. You know, your hair will grow back, grow back fast enough. So go ahead and look up these home cuts on Instagram at these home cuts. Uh, you can see a bunch of videos of the cuts he's done, and you know, get kind of an idea of what you would like to get done. So send him a DM if you're interested, and you'll set up an appointment, and you'll get you get you in there. Ten dollars, cheapest haircut around, best haircut around. These home cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. So let's do a little basketball right now. Uh, I'm going to talk for about five minutes, and then we'll get Dylan Frederick's interview uh, going here because it was a great interview, guys. You're going to be huge. You're going to be excited for that, and you're going to love it. Um, so over the weekend, we had another monumental deal go down in the NBA. Something we did not see coming at all, especially that quick. And I reported last week how the Thunder were interested in trading Russell Westbrook. Now you know that they were sort of tearing it down you know they traded paul george to the clippers and you know there really wasn't much left so next move that made sense was to trade russell westbrook and you know we've seen that the rockets were you know a little bit pissed off at chris paul and his contract you know they didn't think they were getting the value out of chris paul that his contract meant and we kind of had an idea that they were willing to move on from chris paul and they did that and the Thunder moved on from Russell Westbrook. And they traded Russell Westbrook to the Rockets for Chris Paul in multiple first-round picks. I expect Chris Paul to be bought out by the Thunder. And probably he'll join a contender. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure who he'll join. But there's a lot of teams that could use a point guard. I mean, the, the Lakers could possibly do it. I'm not sure what their cap situation is. But if he's willing to join on for a cheap contract... I mean, they need a point guard because I'm pretty sure LeBron doesn't want to play point guard, but that's who they're planning on playing at point guard next year. Chris Paul would fit perfectly into that lineup. Um, but we will see where he decides to go. I don't expect him to stay with the Thunder. It wouldn't make sense for him to stay with the Thunder. Um, but you go to the Thunder now, they have a ton of picks up and coming for the next couple of years. It's going to take a couple of years. I think their first pick from the Clippers goes into place in 2022 and then you know they got picks all the way back to 2026 i mean this team is rebuilding and they are rebuilding hard they're trading off their pieces you know it's going to be tough to watch the thunder the next couple of seasons like i said we'll finally get a good solid view of how good thunder fans are when they now have to face the dreaded rebuild period where it's about three four years at best of just unwatchable basketball 
filled with guys who you don't even think should belong in the league anymore. But, you know, we'll see what happens with the Thunder as they go throughout the next couple of years. I think Sam Presti definitely bought himself some time as a GM. He was very, very, very good at drafting in his early years. I mean, he drafted Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, um, all of these guys. And, you know, he slowly swung and missed on a lot of picks the last couple of years. Um, but he's going to buy himself some time here. And hopefully, you know, the Thunder get back to um, the class of the NBA. But you go to the, the Rockets now. They have a backcourt that consists of James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I'm not really sure how those two are going to play together. Both of them are big into – Dylan Frederick talks about this a little bit. Both of them are big into sort of, you know, running their own game, being the leaders of teams. And now, you know, they join back up like they did a couple years ago with the Thunder. That's what people are saying, like, oh, they're best friends and all that stuff. And, you know, it worked well in Oklahoma City. But both of these players are different than when they left Oklahoma City or when, you know, James Harden was in Oklahoma City. You know, they both weren't really leaders then. They kind of were under Kevin Durant's tutelage, I guess you could say. He was sort of the leader there. But now that they both spent, you know, quality amount of seasons being the leaders of their respected teams, it's going to be interesting to see how they play with each other. And then at the end of the day, you know, who's going to take that last shot? Who's going to be, you know, somebody's going to have to take a little bit of a less lesser role. And I'm guessing that's going to have to be Russell Westbrook because James Harden, I mean, that's his city. And, you know, Russ is coming into his environment. Harden's not going into Russ's environment. So I think... James Harden's going to have to be the leader of that team. He's not really a vocal guy um, on the court. Russell Westbrook is. And I think you're, I think it's going to work out, though, because I think those two are pretty good friends. I think it will work out together for them. I think that's one of the best destinations for Russell Westbrook to go because he'll still be a contender this year now, and it's just it just adds to the duos. I mean, we talked we did two shows last week about the best duos in the NBA, and now you can make a case that James Harden and Russell Westbrook is a top five duo in the NBA. Um, but they are going to have to build around them a little bit, add some role players. They signed Anthony Bennett to like a training camp deal, you know, just get him into training camp C. If you remember, Anthony Bennett was a overall first overall pick a couple years ago with the Cavs. Big swing and a miss, one of the biggest busts in NBA history. He was out of the league for a couple years, playing in the G League, and now he's back and they're going to give him another shot. So if they can get something out of him, that'd be interesting. But it also doesn't make sense as to why he gets signed, yet Carmelo Anthony's still out there. But we got to move on um, and not harp on that. Dylan Frederick will talk a little bit about uh, Carmelo Anthony. Ben Simmons signed a five-year, $170 million extension to stay in Philadelphia and be their point guard of their future as they continue to build around him and Joel Embiid, now they got Tobias Harris, Al Horford. This is a solid core, and Ben Simmons is a huge part of the Philly rebuild, and he's been a huge part of this team the last couple of years. Me personally, I don't trust him. Dylan Frederick will get into, into it, and I just don't trust a guy who's made zero career threes. So that's just my opinion. Um, next NBA move, last NBA move of notability was J.R. Smith. He was waived by the Cavs on Monday. He only appeared in 11 games last season with the Cavs, but he was a huge piece of the Cavs the last couple years. Ever since he got traded from New York and that team started to you know tear it down, um, 
he was with the Cavs, and he was huge for them. He was a huge scorer. He played solid, good minutes in the playoffs. A big reason as to why they won the championship in 2016. A fan favorite. I think everybody really likes J.R. Smith. Even though he does some crazy things sometimes, and he sort of rubs people the wrong way with his dumb moves, he is a solid you know, shooter off the bench. And he's going to draw interest from some contenders. Uh, I guess the Lakers are not interested. I guess Woj tweeted that you know after he was waived. Um, which makes sense. I don't think LeBron, I think LeBron likes JR. I just don't think LeBron wants to deal with JR really anymore. And they have Danny Green. So Danny Green's, you know, a better version of JR Smith. So we'll see where JR goes. You know, I, we were waiting for him to get waived by the Cavs. I know the Cavs were trying to trade him for a long time, but nobody was interested because teams are smart and they realized the Cavs will probably just waive him after they realize. You know, they're not going to get anything back for him. And then teams can pick him up without having to give up, you know, a couple picks or something like that. So, J.R. Smith waived by the Cavs. Another good, solid name added to the free agent market. We'll see where he ends up with that. But that's it for basketball news. We're going to now transition into our interview with Dylan Frederick. Like I said, he's serving in the military now. Called all the way from Washington. About three-hour difference in time zones. Took a little bit of time. To get our schedules coordinated, but we were able to get him on. Um, if you remember Dylan Frederick, he's been on a couple times, been in the studio a couple times, uh, and he does. He definitely has some dumb ideas, some dumb takes, um, but uh, definitely a really, really good NBA analyst. And we wanted to get him in, get his takes on free agency and what's been going on with that in the league and how the league shakes out. So you're gonna enjoy this interview. It was a lot of fun recording with him. Uh, so here he is, Dylan Frederick. So we now welcome on Dylan Frederick. He's been on before, ready to give us one of his dumb opinions again. <laughs> so you're in Texas Hello. right now, right? No, I'm actually in. Uh, I'm in Washington right now. Washington, Washington. Yeah, what's, way uh, out there. What's it like out there? Uh, times different. Uh, about the same weather as a lot of the. Not as humid. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, that's pretty nice. All right. Well. Uh, you're going to give us from your NBA free agency reactions. Let's just go to the biggest one. Kevin Durant going to the Nets. Kyrie Irving going to the Nets. What is your opinion of that? How good are the Nets going to be in the next couple of years? Um, I think it's a strong move uh, for the Nets, uh, for them to pull it off, being a franchise that hasn't really been uh, one of the more successful ones. For them to pull off, getting free agents with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and uh, I think a, a slept-on one is also DeAndre Jordan. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is a good piece for that team. I think Jared Allen, uh, the upcoming big man, will play off of that a lot, and he will become better. But um, I don't know. Kevin Durant is a deadly player. Uh, you know, he's a seven-foot sniper from anywhere. And if you pair him up with Kyrie Irving, who's also a deadly scorer, we've seen him, and they both have final experience. This team could be something that's very dangerous down the road when they're both healthy. And uh, considering uh, Brooklyn's roster this year, you just take out D'Lo and you insert Kevin Durant and uh, uh, Kyrie Irving. I think uh, for the next couple of years, we'll be hearing about the Brooklyn Nets. Definitely. Um, so let's go to the next one that kind of was like the most notable one, I'd say. Uh, obviously, Kawhi Leonard making his decision to go to the Clippers after oh. – after Paul George as well got traded there. Um, I think this one is the biggest move of the free agency so far, and I think it shook up the NBA. But what do you think about the Clippers? Uh, I like what the Clippers are doing. Uh, uh, the fact that uh, 
they just had, their roster last year was missing a key star for them to move on. I feel like them signing Kawhi was all, all already enough to get them farther than they wanted, but the signing of Paul George um, makes them an absolute title contender. Um, the fact that uh, Paul they have maybe the best defensive team of all time with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, who is always in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, Montrez Harrell, who's a stud, and then Pat Beverly, who's just the guy you know can get under the skin. Um, I still don't think they're better than the Lakers, but uh, I, but I, I do believe that uh, they will contend, and if they find the Lakers in a seven-game series, it will go to seven. What do you think about the Lakers? you think they have what it takes to go all the way this year? Uh, yes, I do. Um, you know me. I'm a, back. I'm, I'm a big LeBron guy, and LeBron – in my opinion, I, I well, I know LeBron is um, I I I know LeBron is has enough with his roster to go to the finals. It, I mean, we've seen in the past years his roster was nowhere near the capability, like the uh, skill capability as it is now. And uh, Anthony Davis is a top five player, so if you anytime you give LeBron a top five player, you're going to see him in the finals. LeBron being the best of all time. Um, what do you think about Boogie Cousins? Do you think he's going to bounce back? I think Boogie Cousins is. He's next to his. He's next to his friend and Anthony Davis. Um, you know, they had that year. They had that year in uh, Pelicans where they really started to like each other. I mean, Anthony Davis wore his jer- his Boogie jersey in the All Star game. Um, and then LeBron. I think LeBron brings out the best in people. I mean, it already said Boogie's lost like twenty pounds, and since being there, and uh, I think they got enough pieces. LeBron. The thing. The thing that. Uh, that gets me the most about the Lakers is the signing of Danny Green because that's like one of the that's like a player that LeBron loves to play with, like the all the all time like great play, greatest player LeBron would play with that would fit his game perfectly would be Clay Thompson because he plays defense he'll guard the number one player and he can shoot threes. Danny Green is like the same, not the same skill level, but he plays the same game as him. He's just a couple tiers behind Clay Thompson, and I feel like that will fit LeBron's game perfectly. All right, so you mentioned Clay. Obviously, he's out for you know couple months now at the ACL. So they went out and they got D'Angelo Russell. How do you mm-hmm. think that's going to work out? you think he's going to stay? How long do you think he's going to stay? That's uh, uh, on that. Yeah, I think I think D'Angelo Russell is uh, going to stay in the Warriors, but I also think he's a great fit for the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors still have their big three people, big three that they won 79 games with. So, we, like, the Warriors did not fall off. They still have four all-stars. You just took out Kevin Durant for D'Angelo Russell. They won't be title contenders. But they'll still be a, a four or five seed, maybe even a three seed um, with Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr's coaching is uh, one of the reasons why it works. And uh, Steph Curry, I still stand by it. Steph Curry is one of the greatest point guards ever. Clay Thompson, when he comes back, you know what Clay Thompson does. And Draymond Green, as much as everyone hates him, he does his job so well that may help him win games. And I think they'll be fine. D'Angelo Russell will just be fit in the, his game will fit into that system perfectly because he shot the three ball well, and he's another ball handler to give Steph uh, time to uh, – I mean, it's, sometimes it gets hard to be the ball handler, so he'll give Steph a breather, and he'll be able to come off screens with, like, a two-guard action, and they'll be fine. Yeah, I think the Warriors will be just fine. Okay, so let's stick in the West. Uh, I think a huge move it is – I don't even know how it's still kind of underrated, but Russell Westbrook going to the Rockets. Oh. Uh, how do you think James Harden and him are going to fit together in that backcourt? Well, Truman, I think by the sound of your voice, I know what you think about it. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not uh, a fan, but I, I think it. I think it will work perfectly. I think I think they're they're two top tier guards in the NBA. 
And when that comes, when that comes to it, like, we, we said the same thing about Chris Paul and James Harden. It wasn't going to work. They went to the Western Conference Finals twice. They should have beat the Warriors the one time if Chris Paul wasn't injured. So you essentially took out Chris Paul for someone who's more athletic, better on defense, and a better, in my opinion, a better scorer in Russell Westbrook. And I feel like if Russell Westbrook wants to win, he'll sacrifice the usage percentages because, in my opinion, James Harden will, will still be – James Harden is the star player on that team. James Harden will still lead the team. But – I mean, I feel like Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook will sacrifice his usage percentage for that, and um, ultimately they they might become title contenders too if they sign one more piece like Andre Iguodala. Oh. Uh, so it's I don't know. It's the West is like I like the way the West is shaking right now. Definitely. Let's go to the East then. Miami Heat. They signed Jimmy Butler. Uh, yeah. How do you think that's gonna work out? Uh, I think I think Jimmy Butler will do what Jimmy Butler does. It'll kind of be like a Chicago situation for him, but he'll be a lot older, so I think he'll shine a little more. Right now, Miami just doesn't have enough. I mean, they got rid of Hassan Whiteside. They're like in a rebuilding phase, but they don't want to be in the. They still want to make the playoffs. So I think they will make the playoffs as like an eight, seven seed, unless they. Uh, I think Chris Paul would be a good fit in Miami, and they get rid of Gordon Dragic. Chris Paul has a huge contract, though that might contradict something. But I think Chris Paul would be good in there. And then Deion Waiters also is a stud. I knew you were going to mention that. He can, I think Deion bounces back big time this year, especially with the with the loss of Richardson. So now he is – and uh, Jimmy Butler can play two, can play three. But with the loss of Richardson, I think it's time for Jimmy I – mean, it's time for Jimmy and Deion to shine in Miami. Deion loses some weight, though. He's looking a little chunky. That's his game. He's You know, he's a, he's a bowling ball. Yeah. Kyle Lowry, say the same thing about Kyle Lowry. That's true. All right, man. All right, you know I had to bring it up, but oh, the, the how are you liking head. them Bucks? How are you liking them Bucks this year? How are they taking uh, out in the East? You know what, Truman, I said it to my friend earlier, and I'll say it again. The Bucks are, the Bucks, in my opinion, are the favorites to win the East. They'll come out of the East. I love uh, it. With Kawhi being gone, uh, Toronto has no superstar. Philly, I just don't see Philly going over that hump with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, in my opinion, just, just isn't good enough to be number one, number two option. Embiid is, but, like, I don't think Simmons is good enough to be a two option, in my opinion. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, the, brother, the, brother can't, the brother can't shoot. I mean. I'd agree. You can't be a guard in the guard position and can't. I mean, he's hit zero career threes. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a joke. It's um, a joke. I agree. But, yeah, I, I do. I mean, Greek, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a uh, once-in-a-lifetime player. And you have if you have someone of that caliber who uh, is in, like, isn't that tier? You're going to be fine for years to come, and they and they re well. I mean, you can't he still get twenty eight, thirty a game. He yeah, still wouldn't be stopped. He and you resigned Chris Milton was like, which was one of your like you needed to resign Chris Milton. That was that was the thing to do. I love the loss of Brogdon won't will hurt, but and the way I look at it is, uh, like you didn't have him for the whole year, and you guys are still the number one seed, still won sixty games, so. I don't think it will slow him down that much. All right, what did you think about uh, Kemba going to the Celtics? I think it was a smart move on Kemba because Kemba needed to get out of Charlotte for a long, long time, and they did nothing for him. And uh, I think Boston's a better fit for him than it was for Kyrie. Kemba's more of a, uh, you know, Kemba sacrificed a lot of play. He sacrificed a lot for Charlotte. Charlotte never did anything for him. And, uh in Boston, I think Boston's going to be able to repay him because they have young Tatum's a young star. Uh, Brown, we see what we've seen what Brown does at his top level. I think he'll be good. 
Um, losing Horford does suck for them because that was Horford was a big piece of that team. But I think Kemba, I think Kemba will do fine. They'll make the playoffs. They'll be in some playoff games. They'll win a series, but nothing too big out of them. I don't, don't think. think they should beat the Bucks. Oh gosh, no. Hell no. All right, uh, let's go to like a, the draft. Younger teams like the Pelicans, you know, they made a lot of moves this uh, off season. Mm-hmm. Is Zion as good as everybody says? Um, oh, I'm gonna get hit for this, but I, I myself don't think he. I don't think he's that good. Wow. I was, I was Why not impressed. That? I was not impressed by the uh, his first performance, and um, and and I know he only played a little bit, and he had 11 points, blah blah blah, but. I just don't think his game has anything that screams, like, NBA skill. Yeah, he has the athleticism. Yeah, he has the body. But you can only go so far with that until you get some skill. He can't really shoot that well. And I feel like there is people – there are people that can guard him. Like, he's not – I mean, he's big, but I just feel like it's just – his game's just not NBA ready yet. Who do you think, then, out of that draft class is going to be the best player out of that draft class? Uh, I really like John Morant. I really like John Morant, and I think his fit Memphis will be good. Uh, they basically just cleared out everything and said, we're going to start with you. You're the centerpiece. And, um, you know, it, it, the story even fits. Like, small town, small town college player yeah. makes it big in the tournament, and I think he's ready for it. John Morant, but, you know, I like my boy Kevin Porter Jr. too. Yeah. We didn't get to see him play, but. I think he's going to be good. I'm excited to see Garland, though. I don't know what to expect from Garland. There's not that much word on him because he's all he's injured for a while. So he only played a couple games at Lord Vanderbilt, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Cavs. I mean, what do you think about the Cavs? Do you just think continue to build around that young core? Uh, yes. Uh, we do need to continue to build around the young core. I'm uh, I'm I don't know. I'm a little worried about the front office. The fact that we have like 20 point guards and shooting guards right now. Yeah. But cousin that but um i mean i we'll find we'll find a way uh we we won't have a star like lebron for a while um i think we'll get another lottery pick next year and um i don't know it's rebuilding times in cleveland it's tough you know we we saw those years a couple of times and it's gonna gonna yeah. come back and haunt us again but i'm here I'm, I'm i'm a supporter i'm ready for it so you think they trade kevin love uh, it would be a smart move for them. Kevin Love is at the uh, age, at the point in his career where he will uh, he will help a team uh, chasing a playoff, chasing yeah. playoff. Uh, the Lakers would be a great fit for him. I don't know what the Lakers could trade for him though. LeBron loves Love, They're like playing. That's another player that uh, fits LeBron's game. But um, also for the for the uh, to get stuff back for Love, Love still has some trade. Uh, you can still trade for Love and get something back for him, even if it's something young or if it's like a late first round pick that's still something that helps in the future when your team is so young and you have an old veteran like that who wants to win now all right speaking of uh veterans old veterans where's carmelo sign give me carmelo if carmelo i'm telling you what who just signed uh who's anthony bennett the biggest bust of all time signs a deal for the houston rockets and you're telling me carmelo anthony I mean, I, I know the Rockets wouldn't sign Carmelo, because that didn't work. Were you telling me the team's not reaching out to Carmelo Anthony right now and trying to sign him? Which is, it's just disrespectful. It's, it it's downright no, disrespectful. It makes it no makes, sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand, like, what, why teams are so, you know, afraid to sign him. It's not like he, like, completely destroys your roster. All he does is add veteran experience and shooting off the bench. 
and I, I feel like I feel like if he signs, he will accept his role. He gets a bad rep in Houston, man. Like he got a bad rep. Like he didn't even do that bad in Houston. He just was the scapegoat for him. You know, just blame everything on him. I hope he signs with the Lakers because I feel like I I think the Lakers are going to win it this year, and I want Melo to get a ring so everyone can stop, you know, giving him the hate. Definitely, I love to hear that. Well, um, yeah. do you have any more questions? I think that's it for me. I just wanted my Buck stuff. Yeah, all right. You got, well, you got your Buck stuff. However, the signings, I don't know, the free agent signings this year were eh for the Bucks. They couldn't do much. Uh, we were crippled uh, by Middleton to that big contract. Yeah, I mean, Lopez, uh, Giannis is, hopefully Giannis' brother has some promise. Yeah, his, oh, yeah I mean, we, we developed one of them. Why not two? Giannis, what's his name? Yeah, Thanasis. Thanasis? I don't fucking know. Hopefully, hopefully he has some problems. That'd be fun. That'd be fun to watch if both the brothers turned out to be, you know, something like both like that. It'd be something incredible. It would be. It would be. All but right. If you can't stop one of them. We thank you for calling in. I mean, I know you're busy right now out in Washington. Yes, sir. But, uh, you needed your NBA analysis. Of course. Yes, always, sir. Always need a little billing in it. And uh, also, for all the listeners, Brett Favre is an off-brand Baker Mayfield. All right. That's All right. Show. <laughs> Go Browns. All right. All right but but see you later for having me, guys. See you, brother. See you later. See ya. That was our interview with Dylan Frederick. Again, we cannot stress enough how appreciative we are we are of him for calling in, giving us his time. Like I said, he's all the way in Washington right now. Some great analysis from him, and definitely we're going to have him call back in once the NBA season is getting going, or maybe even before the season, do a little bit of predictions. But uh, that was our interview with him, and that was basketball. Let's transition now to a little bit of football talk here, and then we'll finish up the show. So let's get into football. Yesterday was the day of the franchise tag sort of, I don't know what you call it, deadline. Basically what it was is the deadline to sign a guy who you franchise tagged earlier in the offseason. The deadline to sign him to an extension was yesterday. And pretty much everybody got extensions or were traded and got extensions that were signed with the franchise tag, except one player, and that was Jadavian Clowney. He did not receive an extension. He did not get traded. So basically what's going to happen with him is he's going to play the rest of the season on the franchise tag, and then they'll deal with it next offseason. But two guys got pretty good, solid deals. Um, that were on the franchise tag. Robbie Gold, the kicker for the 49ers, got a four-year, $19 million extension. Easily worth it, though. He is one of the best, most consistent kickers in the game. I was looking up his stats yesterday. He has a 97.4 conversion rate inside of field goal territory, which was far and away one of the best in the league. I mean, he is just one of the most consistent kickers of all time, you could even say. And it was just a huge deal, a huge mistake, not huge deal, for the Bears to let him go a couple years ago because obviously now the Bears are struggling to find a kicker and you let go, you let walk uh, Robbie Gold, who's one of the best, if not the best kicker in the game. But he got a four-year $19 million extension from the 49ers and now he's going to be kicking there for the next couple of years. Solid deal for a kicker. You don't see kickers get this, this much money. But And especially you don't see a kicker get this much money who most fans would agree is worth getting paid, you know, almost $20 million over the next four years. Um, so good deal for Robbie Gold. Good seeing kickers get paid, get a little bit of respect in there. And then we go to the next deal, which was Grady Jarrett. Got a four-year, $68 million extension. The defensive tackle for the Falcons has been a star 
another solid star piece on that young and fast Falcons defense. He is now the third highest paid defensive tackle behind Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox, which I think we'd all agree are worth it as well. Um, I mean, he was a fifth round pick a couple years ago, and he has become a star on that team. Who's the GM there? Thomas Dimitrov, I believe his name is. He did a great job in that draft, and he's a pretty good drafter. I mean, if you look at the, some of the players he's drafted over the last couple of seasons, I mean, Devontae Freeman, uh, Julio Jones, obviously, Keanu Neal, Deion Jones. I mean, there's some solid players on this defense and this whole team, you know, and he's done a great job. And Grady Jarrett, I mean, if you remember him, he had an amazing Super Bowl a couple years ago. Probably would have been Super Bowl MVP if the Falcons didn't give up a 28-3 lead um, because he was making plays all over that field. Now, he was hurt last year, so I think maybe that's what sort of scared off the Falcons from giving him a deal originally. But, you know, they wanted to keep him. I think they wanted to maybe let him play under the franchise tag this year so they could see what he was going to do after coming back from injury. But at the end of the day, you know, maybe he was threatening to hold out or demanding a trade if he wasn't going to get a deal. But they got it done, and now they're going to go all in on Grady Jarrett. And again, I think this is a good deal. I think he's worth the $68 million. Maybe that's a little high for somebody who hasn't, you know, done a ton, doesn't have a lot of track record behind him, and is coming off an injury. But at the end of the day, you can't risk losing a guy with that much potential and who has shown a lot. You know, on the defense. So you got to keep together that young defensive core with the Falcons um, and see what they can do again next year. So Grady Jarrett, four years, $68 million extension. So the Falcons are in the NFC South, but we're going to move now to the AFC South and do a couple uh, offseason reviews. We're going to do two teams today, the Texans and the Colts. Um, and we're going to go through like we always do, talk about some of the players they've added over the offseason, some of the players they've lost, and a little bit of note and some notable players that they drafted. Um, and then we'll give a record prediction. So let's go with the Texans first. Eleven and five last year made the playoffs. Um, they started out really, really bad. I don't even remember what their record was, but it was pretty bad. Everybody was willing to write them off. And then they came back and they won like eight straight. Deshaun Watson was looking like his former self. DeAndre Hopkins is easily the best wide receiver in football, in my opinion. J.J. Watt's still a beast. Jadavian Clowney's a beast. They have a very, very talented team. Now, you look at this offseason, though, and I think they've lost more than they've gained in terms of free agency. They lost Kareem Jackson, who was one of their best corners last year. They lost Demarius Thomas, who played a couple games for him before he got hurt. And then they lost Tyron Matthew, uh, the honey badger, that safety back there. Again, Demarius Thomas and Terry Matthew are more names than they are production. Uh, both of them, you know, Honey Badger's coming off of an injury. He was still trying to get his form back. And Demarius Thomas, you know, got hurt obviously pretty early on into his Texans career. But they lost three notable names. I mean, the Kareem Jackson was easily one of the most underrated corners last year. And now that they don't have him, that's going to hurt them a lot. And they didn't really replace that, you know, loss those losses you know they added bradley roby from denver they added matt khalil who's going to help out on that offensive line and then they added aj mccarron who's going to be you know probably the backup behind deshaun watson because i think brandon whedon is still the backup there which is you know a mess all in itself um, but in the draft they did something which was a little weird they drafted titus howard in the first round um, somebody who most people didn't expect to be a first round pick i mean he's from a very small college. I don't even know the name. 
But he's a, he's a good, solid tackle prospect that could develop into a beast. They need help on the offensive line, though. Deshaun Watson was the most sacked quarterback last year, and you know he's always running for his life, and that's not good when you have a quarterback who is coming off an ACL injury two years ago. I mean, they need him to stay healthy, and they cannot have injuries. So that's why I think drafting Titus Howard, you know, Obviously, drafting an offensive lineman in the first round, was, which was something we all wanted them to do. But drafting somebody who's more of a project than somebody you can start day one and be confident about didn't make much sense to me. I mean, I think at that point, they had a couple really good, solid, first-round graded tackles still left on the board they could have went with. But they saw something in Titus Howard that made sense to them. And then they drafted Lonnie Johnson, which was a good pick, cornerback from Kentucky. Um, he was a solid corner last year for Kentucky. A big reason as to why Kentucky was, you know, as good as they were in football. Um, and he's going to be somebody who they need to replace Kareem Jackson, and they need to get some good production out of. And I think he's going to be forced into, you know, a day one starter role. I'm not really sure, you know, who the guys they have there right now are, but. As far as the Texans go, they went 11 and 5 last year. I still trust in, um, you know, Deshaun Watson. They still have DeAndre Hopkins, who I think is the best receiver in football. They still have Lamar Miller, who's a good running back. They still have JJ Watt. They still have Jadavian Clowney. Their defensive backs aren't great, but they aren't terrible. They aren't complete crap. Um, so I think 11 and 5. Honestly, you could say. 11. I think they're going to go 10 and 6. I'm going to guess that record because I think they'll be a little bit worse than they were last year. Um, because obviously guys get older. Jadavian Clowney's playing on a, you know, a franchise tag deal. Maybe he'll be a little bit more motivated this year and absolutely ball out. But that defensive back core scares me. That offensive line scares me. And Deshaun Watson isn't somebody who I look at and say, okay, he's going to play all 16 games. I don't think he will. Um, but that's what I'm going with there. 10 and 6 for the Texans, maybe 11 and 5, but I think 10 and 6 uh, for them. Then let's go across that division and let's go to the Colts. The Colts last year, I mean, they had a year. They had an amazing draft and they just came in and they used that. They had Andrew Luck healthy and they put that all the way into a 10 and 6 record. Not only did they have a 10 and 6 record, but they had amazing years from Darius Leonard. Uh, Quentin Nelson, both Pro Bowl caliber players. They had a ton of talent last year, and they had a good, solid defense. And Andrew Luck is still one of the best quarterbacks in football. Now, over the offseason, they had a pretty quiet offseason, but they had a good draft. They added Devin Funches from Carolina, who I think is a pretty underrated receiver. Just another good target for the Colts. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's a very good receiver, but they just didn't have much you know, outside of him. And uh, they needed some help on the outside. They got Devin Funches, who's a big body receiver, who's going to run some crisp routes for Andrew Luck, and he's going to help out. Then they also added Justin Houston on that defensive line, one of the best pass rushers in the last couple of years in the NFL. Uh, he got cut by the Chiefs, but they're going to give him another shot as a situational pass rusher, which I love. Not only is he a good situational pass rusher for me, but he's also going to bring some experience to this young defensive line pass rush core that I think is going to help the Colts out a lot. Now, as far as losses go, honestly, I was looking at the people they lost, and there really wasn't anybody who 
you know, was notable to me. So I honestly put, you know, they didn't lose much. They didn't really lose that much. They This core is still together, and this team's still going to be good next year. And then in the draft, they took a, they took uh, Rockison from Houston, who some people were saying could be a first-round corner. Um, they took him, and he's was great last year for Houston. He's got some good coverage skills, going to help on that outside. And then they took Paris Campbell from Ohio State, who, in my opinion, is one of the funnest players to watch, was easily one of the funnest players to watch in college last year. I mean, you get the ball in his hands, and he just runs for miles. And that's why I think Paris Campbell was one of the best receivers in that draft, and I would wish the Packers would have gotten him because it takes a pretty good coach, I think, to really use him to the best of his ability. I mean, you could compare him to Tyreek Hill. That's how fast he is. The problem with Paris Campbell and why he slid is he doesn't have the best hands, but you get the ball in his hands, and he's gone. He is easily one of the fastest, if not the fastest player on the field at any given day that he's playing. So Paris Campbell is going to be a lot of fun to watch with the Colts. I mean, they have a lot of players, and this is going to be a ton of fun to watch the Colts this year. You know, Andrew Luck is still doing his thing. Still have T.Y. Hilton. Darius Leonard in his second year. That offensive line is completely rebuilt and solid. You could make a case as the best offensive line in football. Malik Hooker is still there for me. I still love Malik Hooker. I still think he's a good player. Um, he's sort of coming around a little bit. The Colts are going to be a fun team to watch, and it's going to be something that we're all going to have to watch to see if they rebound, if they get better from next year, not rebound, but have a good second season. You know, there's a lot of hype on them right now. 10-6 and six last year, barely missed the playoffs. I, or No, they went to the playoffs. They played the Colts. Um, but they had a good season, and – we're going to see where they can go into the next season now. I think maybe 12-4 and four is my record prediction for the Colts. I think they're going to be very, very, very good. And I think this offense, you're finally getting, you know, they added Paris Campbell, they added Devin Funchess, and they have Eric Ebron, and then they have T.Y. Hilton. Those are really good weapons. And I think Andrew Luck hasn't had amazing weapons in his career, so we'll see what happens with these type of guys. I think this is easily one of the best, if not the best, cores of weapons that Andrew Lux had to work with over his career. So he's going to rebound, and I think they're going to go 12-4 and four and have an amazing season and go pretty far in the playoffs. So that's my off-season reviews today, and that is it for our show today. Huge again thank you to Dylan Frederick for calling in. Big thanks to D's Home Cuts for sponsoring us. We ask that you go on to iTunes, Spotify, uh, and listen to us, subscribe, give us a comment, leave us a five-star review, and continue to listen each and every single Tuesday and Thursday. Other than that, though, follow us on Twitter at TNT Sports Talk 1-2. That's where you can send us questions, comments, concerns in our DMs. We DM right back. We DM right away. We follow back right away. Uh, you don't want to miss. I mean, what's the worst that can happen if you follow us on Twitter? You gain another follower. Um, so follow us on Twitter. Send us a DM. If you want to be a guest, we'll get you on a show like Dylan Frederick did. Um, and when you can give your solid sports takes. But other than that, though, have a great day. Tune in on Thursday. Um, we're going to have another great show for you. Maybe do a little bit more of MLB deadline review. Talk a little bit more about who I think is going to get traded and where they're going to get traded. Um, but also with that, we'll give you know a recap of every single thing that's happened between now and Thursday. So thanks for listening and tune in on Thursday, guys. Have a great day.